Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clatch. This is Marianne Russo. Tonight I am thrilled to have a surprise interview with Dr. Temple Grandin. Um, Dr. Grandin is an author, advocate. Um, the HBO movie about her life has won many Emmys and Golden Globe Awards, and um, we are just very, very excited to have her join us tonight. Um, I've had the privilege over the past year of interviewing the world's most renowned experts for many different disorders, and what I heard over and over and what really strikes me is fear being mentioned as the core emotion. So um, Dr. Grandin is here tonight, and that is what we're going to be discussing, fear and autism. Dr. Grandin, thank you for joining me. It's great to be here. Uh, You were quoted as saying the principal emotion experienced by autistic people is fear. Could you, I'm sorry, could you explain that for me? Well, I've been saying that for years, and then uh, recently I was in some experimental brain scanning research up at the University of Utah, and they found that my amygdala, that's the brain's fear center, is about three times bigger than normal. But prior to taking antidepressants, and I've been on tricyclic antidepressants for the last 30 years, and the HBO movie showed me before I was on antidepressants, and I did a great job of showing all the anxiety, it was a constant fear all the time, panic attacks, my nervous system constantly vigilant, always looking for danger, even when there was no, no danger. I mean, I'd hear a little sound in the middle of the night, and my heart would just start pounding. And and you know, now the antidepressants have you know stopped that. And I know other people have been taking Prozac, and they find that that seems to be better than some of the other drugs for stopping the constant fear. You know, and and it's just the nervous system revved up. And in Thinking in Pictures, I have a chapter called A Believer in Biochemistry. And, and you know, for a long time I resisted the idea of taking medication. And then when I finally went on the medication in my early 30s, it was amazing for this fear response to be then greatly diminished, you know, constant panic attacks. Also, there was a daily cycle. It was worse in the late afternoon and the early evening, and then it would subside at, at night. But And as I went through my 20s, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. But I want to emphasize that not everybody with autism has this. There seem to be different types. And one of the things I've observed is that us visual thinkers who tend to think visually often have more problems with this than than some of the people that are more verbal in how they think. All right. And, you know, um, you know, I've been saying to parents for years also that, you know, if you have a child with these types of disorders, you really need to look at the amygdala. It's just so important, and it really does control panic and fear and emotions. Um, you know, the, being that it is so predominant in many children, you know, how does it present? How does fear present in children on the spectrum? Well, one of the what type of behaviors is, would you see? Well, reluctant to do new things. Like when mother suggested that I go out to the ranch, uh, I was afraid to go, and that was a fear reaction. And mother said, you can go for a week or you can go for all summer. And And one of the things with autistic kids, no surprises. You need to expose them to new things, but there should not be a surprise. If you're going to be going to a new school, visit the new school, you know, several weeks or even a month before they're going to go. So then it's going to be less scary. But new things are scary, and I think that fear has a lot to do with some of this uh, resistance to change because sudden change is scary. And in my work with animals, uh, if you, you know, I've had people say, well, my horse was fine at home or my steer was fine at home, and when he went to the show, he just went crazy. 
Well, there's a lot of new things there that are scary, like flags, bikes, and balloons. Now, you can get an animal used to those things by letting him voluntarily approach them. But if you just shove it in their face, uh, it's very, very scary. Right. And, you know, I think some children, you know, tell me if you agree with me, some children present with depression and anxiety and even outbursts and rage. Um, do you feel that this could also be attributed to the fear? Well, I found with the, you know, anger stuff, I got kicked out of school in ninth grade for throwing a book, and one of the ways I stopped doing that is I switched from anger to crying. I mean, when kids teased me, it was absolutely horrible, and I threw a book at a girl who teased me. And I switched emotions because another thing, and I don't think this is related to fear so much, you know, what some of the research is showing you know, is for some of the frontal cortex circuits aren't hooked up, and then you lose what I'm going to call top-down control on emotions. You know, okay, damp the amygdala down. You know, okay, now just slow down, slow down, slow down. And, and uh, you know, even sometimes I, you know, I can get to laughing really hard. One time I was watching a movie on a plane and it had a giant lizard in a glass elevator like at a Hyatt Hotel. And I got to laughing so hard about this that people on the plane were turning around. Now, that certainly wasn't fear. You know, so I think some cases, you know, fear would be it. But other times it's just, you know, having difficulty modulating emotion. Right. And are the fears always warranted? Because, you know, as in childhood OCD, which, you know, I, I know there's always questions whether the, it's a standalone diagnosis or whether it's just part and parcel. But, um, you know, those fears are very irrational. Um, do you find that the fears are, are sometimes irrational as in OCD, or are they usually warranted? Well, the OCD fears, uh, there was a book uh, by Judith Rathaport uh, years ago called The Boy I Couldn't Stop Washing. OCD, mm-hmm. fe- OCD repetitive behaviors have to do with animal survival behaviors, grooming, so they're picking out their eyebrows, checking, checking for predators. So this is the person that's checking the door locks over and over again, checking the stove over and over again to make sure it's not on, washing their hands constantly. That's, you know, animals have hygiene things. It has to do with hygiene, checking for predators, and grooming. It's an animal instinct's just gone crazy. And so I think some of that's a little bit different kind of circuits because I had fears that were just fears of normal things. I can remember being scared to death public speaking. And the very first talk I ever gave when I was in graduate school, I panicked and I walked out. And 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 uh, that was purely uh, due to fear. So I think the OCD thing's a little bit differently different than just fear. Right. And you know, you mentioned um that one of the triggers for these kids is um unexpected transitions. Are there any other triggers that parents can look for? Well, sensory. Sensory. Certain, you know, loud sounds hurt my ears. That also sets off a fear response. You know, other people have said that, you know, certain sensory overload things, and it's going to be very variable from one person to another, set off a big panic and fear response. You know, it, you know, the fear system's just all ramped up, you know, for, you know, for no reason. It's like, you know, imagine... Uh, you know, living sort of living in a world with dangerous predators around, and and there aren't any dangerous predators around. The nervous system is just overhyped up. Right. Yeah, I call it no breaks in my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just there's there's no breaks to fear and panic. Um, you know, I think that a lot of parents. Um, you know, they have a hard time unraveling it all because it is very confusing what's sensory, what's not sensory, you know, what, what now is fear. And, um, you know, is how can a parent identify fear as the cause of the behaviors, especially if a child's nonverbal? Well, let, first of all, you need to separate sensory out. 
you know, if it, it does he put his hands over his ears? Then he's sound sensitive. Um, you know, there are a lot of kids that can't stand fluorescent lights. I mean, what happens when you go in noisy places like sports bars or, you know, with a lot of TVs going or you go into a big supermarket or something like that, you know, big crowds. Um, and then there's other situations where I could be completely calm in a totally calm environment and be getting, you know, fear reactions. You know, and there'd be, there was no sensory overload anywhere around. So you kind of have to be right. a good detective. And Because there were times where I would get these total fear reactions, and there were two ways to fight them. So to go out and fight fire with fire, and that made me fearless on facing down the feed yards that were kicking me out and putting bull testicles on my car. Or other times I would just retreat to my room because I was just sort of frozen in fear. And when I started taking the medication, uh, that stopped that. You know, there's a lot of controversy about medication, but there's a lot of people where an antidepressant and Prozac actually has some of the best uh, meta-analysis results. But I know a lot of people that um, have problems with fear, and they take a little dab of Prozac in the morning, and you have to be Mm -hmm. very, very careful not to overdose. Oftentimes, people on the spectrum need a half to a quarter of the starter dose. And the mistake that doctors make is they get the dose too high, and then you get agitation and insomnia. And if you start to get those right. symptoms, you've got to cut the dose back and cut it back fast. Right, right. And, you know, I think that it, what really is confusing is that sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. It just seems like it's a, a cortisol dysregulation, like a, That's some right. type of a, a rhythm, and it, it does. It, it comes out of nowhere, and the children need to regulate. Um, you know, another medication that I know uh, is very helpful um, to a lot of people also is Indorol. I know people yep, use that's it right. actors Beta use blockers, it also for um, panic. Propanolol, blockers, yeah. and I know quite a mm-hmm. few people now that take Prozac in the morning, low dose, and they take Indorol at night. And uh, there's some people with post-traumatic stress syndrome that are doing this because it's almost like uh, some of these fear reactions, like you're sort of born with post-traumatic stress syndrome. I mean, the nervous system is just totally upregulated because um, I've, I have friends that are veterans, and you know they hear a helicopter fly over or they hear a car backfire. It's like they're back in the war zone. They get these flashbacks, and right. and, um, and 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 Prozac, you know, there's a lot of controversies and stuff around, but Prozac seems to work better than a lot of the other drugs. But the mistake that's made is giving too much. I just read a dreadful thing where they were doing a, a, a study on, on Zoloft, which is a very good drug, and they gave people too much of it, and some kids ended up in the hospital during a study that was just inexcusable. You start to get those uh, those those overdose uh, symptoms, you just stop it and cut back. You don't ever right. let it get and to the start low. He's going to go to the hospital. You know, cut it back, cut the dose way back, skip a day and cut the dose back. You know, there's no reason to have those disasters. You know, because they tend to come on, you know, kind of slowly, and the person starts to feel like they drank 25 cups of coffee and they can't sleep. You cut the dose back. Maybe you try a different drug, but you don't let it get to the point where they'd end up in the hospital. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for having, letting that happen. To understand that people on the spectrum often need a much, much lower dose because I've had a zillion parents say to me, oh, he did just great on a low dose and we doubled it. It was horrible. Well, then leave it on the low dose because the dose is... You know, and it's... A- it's so important to start low and go slow. I mean, it's so important. These are children's developing brains. And start low and stay low. And, stay low. Right. and forget about right. what, the, what the physician's desk reference says, because those doses for people on the spectrum are often way, way, way too high. Right. And, you know, I think parents are seeing that. Um, you know, going back to identifying 
um, fear. So, you know, if parents have that in their heads now, that, you know, you have to start to, to look at, the, at this as another piece to the puzzle, that fear is a big part of the cause of the behaviors. So what could parents do to teach calming techniques or well, um, to help the child identify in themselves that they're having um panic or fear. Well, have calming things. You know, one of the reasons I use my squeeze machine is that the deep pressure from the squeeze machine helps calm me down. Another thing that calms me down is lots of exercise. Kids need to be getting a lot more exercise. Let's make sure we're getting enough omega-3s in, in the food. I've had parents tell me to swear by fish oil supplements and cut out a lot of sugar. Don't have Pop-Tarts for breakfast. You know, then you just get all hypoglycemic and that just makes it way worse. You know, have some eggs for breakfast, you know, something that's going to stay with you. Because there's way too much resperitol being given out as a sleep aid, and I'm absolutely horrified how that's being given out like candy just for, as a sleep aid or or to make you a little bit less fidgety. Let's try a decent breakfast with some animal protein and exercise first. Right, and a nice warm glass of milk and you know, get some tryptophan. That's right. <laughs> much, much safer way to go. That's right. Um, yeah, you know, it's you know, we have to remember, you know, that you know, it's so hard to see children suffer like this and parents really are desperate to to help these kids, but you need you really need to be cautious and um, you know, there well, are a lot of basically my feeling there. medication the younger the child the more cautious I want to be with medication. And there are a number of kids that have really helped with the diets, especially the ones that have the gastrointestinal issues and uh, you know, getting taking you know the weed out. I mean, I know a, a lady is dyslexic, and she went strict gluten free, and her migraines stopped. Uh, you know, sometimes the diets work. You know, cut the sugar way back, taking the weed out. Uh, some of them, you have to take dairy out, but then you can put it back in as yogurt or cheese. But they can't have the regular milk. You know, they don't work for everybody, but there's some people where they do work. All right. Right. I know you, you yourself. Um, are you still on the gluten free? I remember. I'm, we well, had, um, I'm, I'm, I don't have to be real, real strict. I don't worry about trace amounts. But I, I went to an Italian restaurant the other day, and they had this olive oil drenched bread, and I just had to eat some, and my eczema flared up. You know, just oh, from eating right. one. You know, and then I back, I, I stopped eating it. You know, because mm-hmm. I get eczema, and since I've been, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't have to be strict. I don't worry about gluten in the gravy. But you know, I shouldn't have had the bread at the Italian restaurant. Right. And, you know, it's it's good that parents, you know, know that there are options. You know, it takes a long time to unravel it and try different uh, treatments, but, you know, it's so worth it when you you find one because, you know, as the saying goes, if you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism, so what works for one may Let's not work for another. Let's just talk about a couple of other sensory things that can often help. I mean, you take the kids that can't stand the fluorescent lights. Some of these kids can be really helped with uh, pale-colored glasses, I know I know one family that they uh, their child could tolerate five minutes at the local Walmart, and uh, they went in and tried on some pink glasses, and the child can now do an hour of shopping, and you've got to find the right color, you know, because pink might work for one, but light lavender may work for another. You know, some people complain that when they go to read, the print jiggles on the page, and sometimes printing the homework on, on pastel paper, just try all the different pastel colors, so it helps. Right. 
And, you know, once it's identified, even if it's identified, um, you know, a parent realizes that fear is the core of a lot of the behaviors. And the teaching the calming techniques is great. And, you know, one thing that, um, you know, I tell parents on the show all the time is, you know, you you feel like you're banging your head into a wall and that the child isn't getting it, but they are getting it. And um, when they do start to use the tools you give them, it really is so helpful to them. But do you find that the fear changed as you grew, um, you know, were there, were there diff- did it change in presentation of behaviors as you got older? Well, and I my type of fear, as I went through my 20s, it got worse. But then there's other people where after they get out of puberty, it gets better. This is where autism is so variable. And what I've, and I don't have any way of proving this, but I kind of find us visual thinkers, uh, the fear tends to get worse because I know a lot of non-autistic visual thinkers that are in things like graphic design and engineering design and Prozac's keeping them together. They'd be on drugs and alcohol if they weren't taking Prozac. And then you've got the other kind of Asperger's that's the word thinker. These tend to be the kids that love history. These kids tend to be calm, and they often don't need any medication at all. They don't seem to have have the problem. This is where autism is so variable. You know, one kid's going to need to be on Prozac, and the other one is not going to need it. Right. I have um, Dr. Valerie Hu coming up in a few weeks, and um, she's actually doing a lot of research on the different subgroups, so I'm very interested to hear what she has to say. And what are you finding on the Inderol and Propanolol? Because I think that's a drug that's got a lot of promise. I mean, you know, I I, I think it's a great drug. I mean, it's it has a it's it's been used forever. It has, um, you know, anything of course needs to be used with caution, but it does um, have it's pretty benign as that's far right. as most of the drugs. Well, that are and used. another drug is, um, and it does really it does help with the adrenaline and the right. cortisol overproduction. So if they do go into a panic, um, whether it's rhythmic or whether it's caused by an incident, um, it seems to be to to temper it. That's so right. that it doesn't last as long, you know. Well, that's right, and that's a very benign drug compared to all the atypicals being handed out. I mean, they're giving out Risperidol, Bilify, and Seroquel like it's candy, and those drugs have much more severe side effects like weight gain, diabetes, uh, tardive right. dyskinesia, which is nerve damage that makes you shake, um, and things like Prozac and beta blockers are a lot safer. The thing you have to understand about all of the antidepressants is you have to be extremely careful about um, not not overdosing. And if you're combining the Prozac with the beta blocker, you've got to be very careful on the beta blocker dose because um, the Prozac uh, blocks some of the metabolism, and and you've got to make sure they don't you know you don't get the blood pressure crashing. So you just got to be right. careful, you know, when you use it. Right. I mean, with, with all of these drugs, it's just it's you know, it causes so much anxiety for the parents, you know, just giving to them. And it, you know, it's like you know, if you had a child with diabetes, would you not give them the insulin? There are children that do need medications. Exactly. There, of exactly. course, the, the first the first step any parent does is to try to try non medication. Um, therapies and see if that works. And for those that does, it's a blessing. But for those that it doesn't, you know, there are options and you have to know your options and you have to choose the safest that you can find. And you want to use the milder medications first, like the Yinderol. Another drug that's a good sleep aid is Clonidine. That's another blood pressure pill. Uh, You know, you want to try things like Prozac stuff that's the uh, safer stuff before you get into what I call heavy artillery, which would be things like Risperidol, Abilify, and Seroquel, which have much more severe side effects. Right, and as you said, the weight gain, which brings along a whole host of other problems. Well, yeah, Um, I know you don't have... Exactly. 
Exactly. And, you know, they have enough self-esteem issues without gaining 30, 40 pounds. But, you know, then again, I, there are some children that will need it eventually, but you rule out other things There are some situations first. where you need to use Risperidol, especially in, in certain older children and adults where they have extreme problems with aggression. But, again, lots of times a very, very low dose will work. And you use that low dose, and then the risk of the side effects is going to be greatly reduced. You want to, with things like Risperidol, you want to use the lowest dose that works. Right, and you know, oftentimes there are other avenues that you can explore. Um, you know, um, as they get older and they go through puberty, I mean, you know, it's, it's good to have a good endocrine workup, also. Well, you that's know, right. Sometimes there is there are there are thinking out of the box that can be very helpful and can you know solve some underlying problems. Um, I know you don't have much time that you're going to be heading out on the road, um, but I did want to just ask you to bring up. I know that you have um, a show coming up with John Robinson, John Elder Robinson. Yes, I was just with uh, John Elder Robinson out in out in California. I had a very nice uh, conversation with him at lunch, and and one of the things we talked about was um, getting these kids motivated, you know. And he had uh, college professors that let him come into the physics lab when he was in high school, you know. And I had my science teacher, and we've got to like tap into where we can use a fixation to get a kid motivated. He got uh, exposed to oscilloscopes and was fascinated with oscilloscopes, and that motivated him to learn all this electrical engineering stuff so he could do special effects for rock bands. And he all he and I also agree that developing your strengths, and I'm a big believer in developing strengths, it takes a lot of work. I spent three years working on developing my cattle handling stuff. It didn't come overnight. I was at every feed yard in Arizona working cattle, and he was doing all these things. He'd make a circuit, and then he'd see what it went did in the oscilloscope, and then he'd make another circuit, see what it did in the oscilloscope. And it was something that took a lot of effort, and and we've, you know, I'm very appalled that schools are taking out so many of the hands-on classes, you know, like art and wood shop and welding and auto shop, because those are things that can get a lot of these kids turned on. Absolutely. Absolutely, because, you know, as you always say, and, you know, I've learned from you, fostering their interests and finding their gifts is turning the key, and it That's so right. is. And, you know, these programs, you know, these specialty programs, even, you know, programs in the arts and um, you know, it just it could make such a difference to these children because they're with other children that have common interests that um, they can relate right. to, and it could just change their lives. Um, you know, I know that the um, science, the Discovery Channel has a show coming up, Ingenious Minds. Is that yes. correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and I know John's show is airing on um, John Elder Robinson, who if anybody doesn't know who he is, you should really Google him. Oh, I know who he is. He's a treasure trove. Oh, I know you too. Uh, I'm talking to my audience. If they're not aware of John Elder Robinson, he's just brilliant. Have um, you interviewed him? show is airing on the 24th. Oh, yes, he's been on. I just I adore yeah. him. Um, and do you know when yours is airing in Genius I'm not Mind? sure. I think it's airing sometime in April, but I'm not sure. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll look it up and I'll make sure that uh, everybody is aware of it. Well, I want to thank you for your time because you know I just I really feel that if parents and educators and even clinicians, if they're not aware that you know fear is driving a lot of these behaviors, you know it's it's, it's really going to be a shame because these kids could really learn from um, learning how to address their fears. Well, and 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 sometimes you need medication, other uh, you know because it's very very variable. You know, I found I had a daily cycle. There was a daily cycle. Late afternoon, my fears were the worst. Then they would go away in the late evening. There was some kind of a stress hormone cycle. And, right. and um, you know, now another thing that helped me, uh, you know, and I'm a lady and I can do this, I took a, you know, progesterone. That all, that's something that also helped to calm me down. Um, 
Well, that's what I was saying before with the endocrine. Yep, absolutely. The endocrine system plays a big role in it also. Well, another thing that needs to be checked out is thyroid function. And these are all things where really good um, endocrinologists ought to be looking at some of this stuff. I think we need to be looking a lot more at physical things. You know, there are a lot of individuals, nonverbal individuals, they have acid reflux disorder. They get heartburn so bad they can't stand it. Well, you want to get that heartburn, treat it. You know, and right. that's somebody's non-verbal, he can't tell you he's got heartburn. Right. And if yeah, you have it's, somebody it's, that's doing we leaning back and doing weird stretching movements, that's sometimes a sign that they've got heartburn. Oh, okay, okay, I hadn't heard that. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a big um, proponent of you know trying to find the organic basis, and you know it may not be. That, I mean, obviously the disorder is there, but oftentimes there are underlying, um, you know organic basis for these behaviors and if you find them and you treat them you know you save yourself in the child well you can have a nonverbal a nonverbal person that maybe has a toothache and you know and you know we'll check him and make sure he doesn't have a toothache uh, an ear infection right. a urinary tract infection a yeast infection these things can all just make you absolutely miserable these things need to be treated right well dr grandin i thank you so much for joining us tonight it's okay. always a pleasure having you. Well, thank you for having me. And congratulations again. Your awards are just so well-deserved. Well, it was um, very, very exciting. You might be interested to know that uh, Mick Jackson got the uh, Director's Guild Award and Claire Danes uh, won the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Actress. And yeah. the movie also won an American Film Institute Award where they archive uh, uh, 10 TV shows in the National Library of Congress and the 10 theater movies and Temple Grandin is going to be one of those archived films for 2010. Fantastic. Congratulations. Well, great to talk to you. You too. Safe travels. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Good night. Um, we are going to be coming back at 9 o'clock with Shannon Rosa and we are going to be discussing the incredible value of um, iPad applications for children with autism. So we will be back, and thank you for joining us.